Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein, and I'm here as I am all the time with Caitlin Postal. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. And we have a very special guest today, Irfan Joffrey from Roosterly. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate you coming on board and uh, joining us today. So as we like to do every episode, when I remember, uh, we're all going to discuss a little bit about what we're what we're around, uh, what we're drinking today while we're sitting around and uh, talking shop. So Irfan, what do you have going today? This is mostly vodka. Nice. Woo. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Wait, I'm sliding back. I've got to go over to my cabinet. I've, I've got a little uh, spike I have to do here. I'm just using, I don't drink. Uh, this is an iced chai um, made at home. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So we're in, so that's, that, that's a tea. So Caitlin, uh, I know you're, you're always onto the tea. That's right. It might become a shock to you, but I am sipping on green tea, pomegranate green tea. It's a little later in the afternoon, so I went decaf. Uh, so I'm sure your final bring it with the chai. I think I will. I hope I do. So I found a special little cafe. You know, I went to fill up my car this morning uh, at the gas station. I found a, uh, I found a, a special little tea called uh, Siete Once, Siete Once coffee. Oh, geez. This sounds <laughs> a lot like Tarjay to me. <laughs> it, it, well, it might be a little bit. So I'm not sure if it's pronounced in Spanish. It does. It does have a big uh, seven and 11 on there. So. 7-Eleven coffee it is for me midday. So appreciate it. So, so Irfan, tell us a little bit about your background uh, in marketing. So the subject of today's uh, discussion is really around marketing and, and how to best utilize it for, uh, for driving traffic uh, onto your site and, and keeping your customers as well. So tell us a little bit about your background. Um, so my background um, was I'm a recovering lawyer. Uh, I went to law school, so um, <laughs> I found out that that just really wasn't quite a good fit for me. It wasn't something that I was passionate about. Um, ultimately, I ended up working for Google, where I spent a lot of time understanding how the general public conducts searches online, how they interact with websites, um, what are the components to not only driving traffic to a website, but getting them to do what you want them to do. Maybe that's filling out a lead form or maybe that's purchasing something, but how do you have somebody consistently go through that sequence of events and feel like they're um, having a very personalized experience where they want to come back over and over again? Um, right. That's, that's been sort of my passion, I think, for the past 12 years. Excellent. Okay. And, and, and so, I mean, to me, there's, there's, there's nothing more important than marketing to, 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 a, to a brand digitally native brand. It's, it's the most important thing. And, you know, it all starts out and I know it's, it's talked about a lot, but it really is true. It really starts out with that, that whole funnel concept. Right. And, and so, so what, what's so important about that sales funnel and, and the way companies and brands are managing it? So, so you know what, what, the best way to explain it in the most concise way to explain it for me is to share a very personal story. Um, so when I left my corporate role, um, 
you know, I did not have sales experience. Uh, and I thought if I throw up a website and um, have some basic components on there, people are just going to come to the website, they're going to buy, and then, you know, it'll be great. Um, I'll be, you know, hanging out with Richard Branson and Elon Musk or something. <laughs> um, it didn't quite pan out that way. Right. So uh, here you are with but, Brian and Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, sorry. Hey, we listening. We never know. <laughs> which I'll take any day, by the way. I'll take any Rich's day. Which analytics are suspect on our, on, our, on our webcast. So who knows? They could be listening. Um, and, and so I was pretty naive in how I went about setting up my own business um and i spent way more money in the most inefficient ways on bad marketing you know i was running into people saying hey we could do facebook ads for you we could do instagram ads for you and you know google ads and all these things they sounded good they looked the part they had a fancy turtleneck on and then those sort of geeky glasses mm -hmm. so they, um so i figured okay cool take my money here's three grand or four right. grand or, you took six the bait. Month, you know, six month retainer. And at the end of that, or three months into that, I wasn't seeing a lot of activity um, or at least consistent sales. And that's when I started looking into how these large companies get traffic consistently, get people to buy consistently, get people to come back and, and, and buy more products and higher levels of services. And it really came down to they had a system built that could repeatedly get sales, nurture those people who just bought, get them to come back and buy more things. And once you actually you know, break down the components of what a sales funnel is, an online, like sort of a digital marketing funnel, and you actually implement it and it works and you sort of tinker and, and, and work out the bugs, you realize that for that same three or 4,000 that you're spending, you can get 2X or 3X or 4X the sales. And so here I was, and once I started noticing that more and more people were buying from my website um, and I could actually pay the mortgage and pay all these other bills that I had piling up, it was actually life-changing. And when you go through that experience, and by the way, I had just gotten married. Uh, we had a kid on the way. So things in the Joffrey household were getting a little, little stressed. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so once that I went through a, a few cycles of getting less and less beat up and, and started uh, doing better and managing our ad spend more efficiently and growing revenue, growing profits, I would literally for free, uh, you know, this is not, I, I'm not a consultant. I don't go out there and, you know, um, you know, charge people for this. I literally just started telling everybody who owned a business or had a website, you know, whether they wanted to listen or not, <laughs> how they should set some, you know, these things up um, and what they're doing wrong. Um, Cause I got, got so good at um, finding inefficiencies and seeing where we could shave off, you know. So, for example, when when I started, my cost per customer acquisition was fifty dollars. Right. Um, for every fifty dollars I spent, I got somebody to sign up or buy something from our site. Um, right now, it's six dollars and right. like thirty two wow. cents or something. Right. So that means a lot in terms of how much your cash that impacts your cash flow. Now, is, is that because of an increase in repeat customers? Uh, is it because you've, you've gotten that much more efficient at 
at gaining that interest at the top of the sales funnel of it, or, or some combination of both? Yeah, it, it's a combination for me uh, of two things. Number one, targeting the right audience, right? Getting the right type of buyer based on, you know, you, you know that Facebook and, and, and Google and I get, you can target an audience so granularly, they know, you know, what we're drinking right now. I forgot so much bad data on who we are and what we do. Um, so part of it was that the second part where I think I was really failing was when somebody bought something from our website, when they, uh, you know, upgraded a level to a different level of service, there was really nothing that we were doing to build relationships. We weren't sending emails, we weren't sending texts, or if we were, they were just really annoying. They're really right. transactional. Yep. Um, I think once that changed and we were focused on how do we actually build a real relationship with each one of our buyers, whether that means getting on the phone with them or you know sending them a text, or and it was a real conversation that was casual and not businessy. Yep. Um, that it was like a light switch. It really changed how things work. So is, is that a matter of, of you as an organization, especially on the marketing side, sort of finding your own company voice? I think it's uh, two things. I think it's, yes, finding our company voice and being comfortable as a organization and who we are and sort of our culture. And, and we're a small company, right? We're 18 right. people. Um, and we're sort of this ragtag group of, dorks um and we just didn't really have uh we weren't cool we're not people that you would regard as like the cool kids in the cafeteria and so we get this odd collection of socially awkward people we just didn't know how to act when we're sending emails or you know text messages and so we had to think about okay what is a sincere casual authentic way to endear ourselves to people who are giving us their money. So I guess that falls into like the nurturing category, right? So so they've already engaged, you had them, they called to action, they bought, and now you're actively nurturing those relationships. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I would say nurturing means different things at the level of revenue that you're at. Sure. Um, so for example, um, Roosterly, we've got about 2,000, 200 and some odd subscribers to our social media product. Each of those people, they get an email and a text message from me with my actual cell phone number, which sounds absolutely bananas, but I've had the number of people that actually take the time to reach out is really low. Um, so it's manageable. Um, but the fact that I actually respond to those people that means a lot to them. And so I've had people start out at our base, very basic level of service. And then over the span of three or four months, you know, they're spending five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month with us. So that means a lot. Sure. So that nurturing can kind of land at different stages of that funnel. It sounds Ab like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when we were not doing that, we were losing clients because it was just sort of this apathy on both sides. And the other thing that I'll say before I lose my train of thought is it's actually really gratifying because you yourself feel that you're having some small positive impact and contribution to helping these businesses. I'm not curing cancer, right? I mean, I get that, but 
I'm helping them with something specific that they need and they're feeling a sense of that they're, whether it's perceived value or empirical value, they're getting something at the end of that, uh, which causes them to continue to come back. And, and do you think, you know, looking at it backwards, right? So now you're at the bottom of the funnel, right? And, and there's a call to action, it's been taken. And now you're trying, the ultimate goal is to have people continue to come back and have that action with you over and over again, just that repeat customer. But but finding that, I guess, authenticity, right? That you can, that where you can convey that enough where someone wants to come back to your, to, to purchase or acquire your services or whatever, does that help you when you go back to the top of the funnel? And again, just find that voice, find that authenticity that really comes through about your company to just attract that awareness? Yeah, that's a really insightful question. Um, so how I think it helps us is it informs us on what we can potentially change and refine and make better. Um, recently, we I know this might sound silly, but we started using emojis and GIFs mm -hmm. in our uh, text messages and the affinity that it brings from people who don't know our brand, don't know me, don't know us, has been really positive because now they think of us as people that are real. It takes that sort of corporate element out of it. We didn't know that. We just we did that based on just a, a few tries. Now, one other thing that I will say is we don't want every potential customer that comes to our website. So we'll have interaction. This is really important depending on what you sell. Um, we'll have interactions with people via email or via chat or via text message that will provide insight to our sales team or our account management team that, hey, this is not a person that would be a good fit for us for a, these three or four or five reasons. Let's take them out of the funnel. So, and what that does is that reduces churn um, and it increases profitability because sometimes you don't want all, all, not all revenue, as you know, is good revenue. Right. Um, so it, 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 the overall health of the business over time increases as well um, through, through uh, nurturing properly. Interesting. So is there a way where brands can be too focused on new sales and, yeah. and not, and not enough of that repeat customer where they're almost ignoring their existing customers and how yeah. do you inform them on how to handle that? Yeah. And that's what happened with me too. Um, I was so focused on, we need more traffic. I mean, we, you know, when you're doing things like search engine optimization or you're utilizing these different marketing tax tactics, you sometimes get obsessed and um, get tunnel vision on random KPIs that are, uh, take your focus away from what it should be on. Um, and, and, and so for us, once we realize that, Hey, it's not about just traffic. Our best source of revenue growth is from the clients we already have, mm -hmm. right? Um, how do we create more stickiness with them? How do we create more compelling offers? Um, and when, when you can do that repeatedly and refine that, the cost of the sale goes down. Right. Because you're not spending any additional resources virtually. I mean, you're sending emails and maybe some text messages, which is not, all, you know, it doesn't it costs nothing to do that. That's really important. Now, my challenge was I don't necessarily like emailing or messaging my clients unless I have something actually 
meaningful to say. We're all busy. There's a lot of noise out there. And so our focus is, you know, look, we're competing for people's time. Um, we don't want to be thought of as, oh gosh, you know, here's Zerophon reaching out to me. I just want to delete this email or just cancel the service or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's being comfortable putting some messaging out there and knowing that some of the feedback that you're going to get might be like people who might be frustrated or irritated or just like, Hey dude, why am I getting all these emails from you guys? But if you learn from that and start doing a better job, um, it'll pay off in the long run. So my point is just being overall a little bit comfortable, sticking your neck out, being vulnerable and knowing that not everyone's going to respond positively is okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it's, it's almost like a comedian being on stage, right? If, if you're not afraid to take the shot and, and, and maybe fall flat on your face, then it's, it's, you know, then you're, you shouldn't be up there at all. Yeah. Um, and you'll find that the, the folks that respond negatively, they might not be the right client for you anyway. Right. right. Um, you know, I could probably say some off color things right now, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to always be everyone's cup of tea. Right. And if you're being authentic, there's someone out there for everyone. So maybe yeah. to your point, and I thought it was interesting the way that you spun it. Right. It's like, okay, everyone's always focused in driving traffic. You made a point before about removing some of that traffic. Let's not get caught in the weeds with people who aren't necessarily our cup of tea or vice versa. And how do we continue to nurture those that are feeding into our bottom line so that you yeah. can buy a brand new turtleneck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the one other thing that I say that, that, I, that I'll say is a lot of sort of, um, I think, small to medium sized businesses have this assumption as if they need to be marketing on every platform. We gotta be on Google, we gotta be on TikTok, we gotta be on Instagram. And that's not really true. If you find that your best audience is on MySpace, I'm kidding. Uh, if you find that your best <laughs> audience is on, um, no disrespect to MySpace, but if you find that your best audience is on LinkedIn, for example, then focus your ad dollars just on LinkedIn and, and you'll be great. Um, so one of the early mistakes that we made was um, we were spending all these resources on blogging and on link building and everything as a small business. We just couldn't sustain doing all of those things. And so we just really had to measure, okay, which one is actually working the best and let's just do that. And so it's really simplified how we work and it's reduced a lot of the anxiety that I have in terms of just work life and tracking all these different KPIs. Well, so that's, uh, it's an interesting, and, and you know, I'm sure we can get really into the weeds on this, but can you tell us a little bit about how you measure the effectiveness of this nurturing and storytelling? Yeah. Um, so uh, we look, uh, so every lead is assigned a dollar value based on what landing page they came through. Okay. And based on what stage they go to. So at any point in time, I can log into our dashboard. I know the value of the opportunities and what percentage of them have converted into pay, you know, paying clients. And I look at basically three or four things. One is our cost per lead, so CPL, and our uh, CAC, CAC, our customer acquisition cost. And then I look at things like LTV, which is lifetime value. Those three things, um, I can at any point give rattle off those numbers to our board 
and I can tell them, hey, you know, this is the good news. This is the bad news. This is what we're, how we're fixing it. But knowing that data is a proxy for me to understand if we're growing, we're stagnating, or we're just doing something that's boneheaded. Of those three measures, what, what, do, you, what do you give the most weight to? Oh, gosh. Um, I think <laughs> that's a really good question because it changes depending on the month or the quarter or you know, whatever initiatives we're working on. But um, right now, it's customer acquisition cost. Okay. Um, how much does it cost for us to get each new client? Um, because we've done a good job of doing that nurture sequence. So I know how long they're usually going to stay. I, lo- I know what products they might get upsold to or downsold to. Um, so that customer acquisition cost is really key for me right now. Okay. And see, I, w- I would have guessed total lifetime value, assuming that that is just retaining or earning the client's business, acquiring that client, and then continuing to earn business over the course of time. Yeah. Um, I would have to imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, are, are you at that point, you every, with every new ac- uh, acquisition by that client, with every new purchase by that client, your dollar cost averaging, your cost for that client lower? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And then I spent probably a good, I don't know, 18 months on figuring out not only our optimizing our nurture sequence, but also what services and products they should be upsold and downsold uh, and what times of the year those emails or those text messages should go out. Because if you do it too early and they, they don't trust you, they don't know you, you haven't built any rapport with them, they're not going to, they're not going to buy what you're, what you're selling. So the key is really to do that at the right time. So I'm really happy with, our LTV right now, uh, you know, we can always improve, but um, I'm in sort of a scale mode right now where I mm-hmm. just want as many new subscribers as we can possibly get. And so customer acquisition cost is, is the winner there. That's why. Right. I'd like to go back to where you started, Irfan, which is with your story, with how you got started All with right. Roosterly and just storytelling. <laughs> so storytelling in general as a tool, yeah to keep customers and not just customers, prospects and customers alike engaged. So as a merchant, once you tell that initial story of, you know, about us, how we get started, what are some unique ways to continue using that mechanism? Uh, To to keep continue using storytelling? Exactly. Um, So I would preface what I'm about to say with, it isn't for everybody. Um, and the reason why that I say that is because your audience, your prospects, they can sniff out if it's inauthentic, right? They can sniff out if it's like a marketing gimmicky kind of a, of a thing. We see it so much that we're desensitized to a lot of it. Um, what I noticed was when I started sending emails that I was somewhat uncomfortable with, like revealing more of myself than I actually like to, to most people, and we're doing it, you know, we're sending this out to people that opt into our newsletter or opt into our funnel. Um, so you're get, saying they asked for it. They asked for it is what they, you're saying. They asked for it, right? <laughs> um, and... I initially, I was really skittish on God, you know, do, do I really need to reveal like, you know, how broke I was and, and the fact that, you know, I, I, you know, just gotten married and, you know, all, all these sorts of things that you typically don't want to share, but that adds a layer of realness. And then people 
can and they, they connect with you on a different level and then they might reach out to you you know i actually had you know a number of folks reaching out to me consistent still do consistently i was like was this actually true can i hop on a call with you and this is the problems that i'm having i'm going through this or i'm going through that and da, 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 da. and it's just like wow okay this is a whole nother level of um connectedness that i didn't anticipate and I don't always have the emotional bandwidth for that, but if I've got somebody who signs up and they have got questions, I don't mind hopping on a call. It's if I'm going to put myself out there, I have to follow through with what I'm going to get. And it's people in a lot of challenging situations with their business. And they're like, Hey, look, if I could just get 10 minutes of your time to ask you this question, and then they are a client for life. Right. But I've also just made an action, even if they weren't a client, I've actually just made a really cool, you know, action, a, a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So as long as it's not forced, it right. can be a good I, tool. Listen, yeah. Kayla and I can relate. We're both in business development and we're about as extroverted as fuck, right? So, <laughs> so this is, we are open books. Um, but yes, no, it's, it, it, but it's interesting because to be that, to have that personality or not have that personality is one thing, but when you're trying to convey a message to it, to an audience, right, who you want, you want them to find something relatable about you services or the products that you're offering, it, it's important to find, and that's why I keep going back to voice, right? To finding, finding your, your, your organization's voice, because it brings that level of authenticity. And I have to tell you over the last two months, more so than ever before, authenticity seems to be a theme that more and more people are craving that and they don't want something automated. Yeah. No more fake it till you make it right. Just- Fall flat on your face and hope that other people like that too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so is there a way to sort of tailor the customer experience and, and, and to learn more about the nuances of a client? Are, are there, are there ways to understand that as, as the brand or the provider who's, who's marketing out there to understand more about their specific audience? Members? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I like to think that there is, a limit to how much automation you can do mm-hmm. and still provide a level of service that feels, you know, personal and, and tailored. And uh, so, so unfortunately that component where we're really sort of finding out the nuances of every client that's done through training our folks, okay. our account managers and our program managers to, take the five minutes or take the 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever happens to be and learn about this person, go on their Facebook, go on their Instagram. What makes them tick? What makes, what are their hopes, their fears, their dreams, uh, all of those things. Um, because when you use that sort of human judgment component, that's where that relationship is built. I tried doing that in vain through automation and it just, it, it makes you feel cheap. It makes the client feel like they're not being taken seriously and it's just not a good customer journey uh, or client experience. So the short answer is uh, that part is done manually in terms of um, finding out sort of the nuances of how you can best work with each client. Got it. Okay. So you're fine. As we, as we look to wrap up here, just, you know, what, what do you think is like the number one aspect I think that people overlook? And, and really developing their marketing? I think it's understanding where their audience is, mm-hmm. is part one. Um, very fundamental, right? They sort of make giant assumptions on, hey, 
we got to be on Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Well, no, um, that is the, the that is the shortest way to burn your whole budget without getting a single client, right? Um, that combined with a compelling offer, I, I think a lot of times what many small to medium-sized businesses do is they see larger businesses um, doing a certain type of tactic, marketing tactic, and they try to copy that. Um, so, that, you know, good intentions, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily going to work for, for you. Um, so it's coming up with a compelling offer and understanding that if you're a client, if you're a company whose brand promise is not built yet, whose brand is not built yet, trying to market like a Coca-Cola or, you know, some giant brand is just not going to work. You've got to find a way to build trust and credibility first, uh, before you can just throw your logo everywhere and expect people are going to just be like, Oh yeah, I'll take two. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's awesome. That, 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 that's, that's a great piece of advice. And I, I think, you know, trying to be everywhere and everything to everybody is, is not going to be effective, uh, in today's world because it's just so, just so saturated, um, that you want to really focus on who your audience is and, and where's the best place to reach them. All right. Caitlin, did I leave anything off? No, I think we're good to go. All right. Fantastic. Well, Irfan Joffrey from Roosterly, appreciate you coming on with us and uh, imparting some wisdom to the audience this week. Um, I'm sure there's plenty around this marketing space that uh, we could reconnect at some point down the road. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Caitlin, you want to take us out? Sure. Thank you, Irfan. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you subscribe on sippinandshipping.com or your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever works. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. Love to have you guys here. Check us out back here in two weeks. Bye, guys. Take care.